Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Howdy. Thanks so much for downloading episode 28 of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter and the founder of aggrad.com that connects students and young professionals to hiring agribusinesses. Very pleased to hear the positive feedback from the episode last week with Trent McKnight of AgriCorps. Actually heard that even a couple of you applied to be AgriCorps fellows in the coming year. So super excited to hear that. It, it really uh, makes me happy that people like yourselves are listening to the podcast and, and actually taking action as a result of some of the incredible opportunities that we get the chance to discuss on this show. Speaking of incredible opportunities, I, I really am excited for the guest that's coming on the podcast here today. I have had, we started the podcast in July, and since then I've had two and maybe three different people tell me that Kevin Heikis has to be on the podcast, and I, I can certainly see why. When it comes to somebody who's thinking on a regular basis about the future of the agriculture industry, and especially how technology might play into that future, I doubt there's anyone who's fo more focused on that th than Kevin Heikus. Kevin is the founder of Intent, which is an advisory firm dedicated to helping clients solve problems in agriculture related to technology strategy, product commercialization, and what they consider digital system design. And in this interview today, we're going to flesh out kind of some of those terms and what that means about the services Kevin offers. What I really enjoy talking to Kevin is is about his ability to watch what's going on in the technology realm and directly apply that to applications that could happen in the agriculture industry. Kevin has been in technology and agriculture since the late 90s when he graduated from Colorado State University. He's also completed his master's in agribusiness from Kansas State University, the same place where I went through this uh, very same program. Kevin is has ability to speak at a very high level, but in terms that are very easy to understand. He's extremely personable, mission-driven, family-focused, and very bright. So I know you will enjoy this interview with Kevin Heikis of Intent. And I might mention that is I-N, the number 10, T dot I-O online. So I-N-T, or excuse me, I-N, the number 10, T dot I-O, if you want to check out Kevin's website. Enjoy this interview with Kevin Heikis. Kevin Heikis of Intent on the podcast today. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Tim, this is a lot of fun. I've uh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm excited to be on with you. Uh, I'm excited too. I think I feel like a as we've gotten to know each other a little bit here recently, we've kind of lived parallel lives here in in the ag industry. And I I know that you were referred to me as somebody we needed to have on the podcast by at least two different people from from two different circles. I might add. So uh, it really is a treat. You have been in the ag tech space, or at least what we know of now as ag tech, for for a long time. Really, kind of since the beginning, before it was before it was as as big and hot as it as it is now. What was the industry like early on when you started? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I kind of think back. Are you familiar with a company called Vantage Point? I'm not familiar with Vantage Point. No. 
Yeah, so Vantage Point is where I really started thinking about ag tech. And Vantage Point was actually during my time at Colorado State University. And it was a company that was formed as a, as a partnership of John Deere, Farmland, and Growmark. And so this would have been about 98 or 99. And what's interesting is we're now executing against those ideas that we set out to do at Vantage Point, you know, 18, 19 years ago. So I think that's the interesting thing. You know, I, I think back and it's a, it's a funny story because at that point in time, the, the mobile technology, you know, was, was simply a, a lot of bag phones or, or even the first bit version of, of cell phones. And we were talking about search engines and the search engine referred to as Lycos at that time. So, you know, it's, it's evolved so much, but the terms that we used were things like data warehousing and transparency and letting farmers go to the internet to see commodity prices and weather. So a lot of similarities in terms of what we're doing today, but the infrastructure and the technologies available to us were so different back then. So when you say that you were, you were, the ideas that you had back then are coming to fruition now, it's mainly where a farmer could, could hop on a computer and say, oh, well, that's what the markets are doing today. At that time, there, there were probably DTN machines, weren't there? That's exactly right. I mean, I remember going back home to Southern Colorado and my grandpa didn't even, he couldn't even envision what this internet thing was. And we started to say, you can now go online and you can see commodity prices and you could see weather information and you could actually see what's happening, you know, in, in more real time. And he said, well, that's what a DTM machine's for. And so he walked me over that. And so it was this transition of moving from the standalone terminals to all of the information being available online and, and also moving in more real time where things could move in a different format. And it just being able to to manipulate and have different types of data moving in different formats was what we started to see. And it has evolved so much since then. And really, since that point, every company you've worked for has been farm something, right? Farmlink, farms.com. Why not farm intent? Why, why just intent? You're breaking the cycle. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Someone asked me about this. I said, no, everything that, that you've done has, has had farm in it. And I think intent is as far away from farm as you can be. So I, I started an internship at Farmland Industries. That had been in the late 90s. Then I worked with farms.com, farms technology. Most recently, I spent a couple of years with Farmlink. But the thing that I've noticed and the reason that I'm so passionate about intent is that a lot of times we have created products. And then as an industry, you go back and you say, what are the problems that we're solving? When you think about intent, the, the, the name actually has a one and zero on it. So going back to data, how can we be intentional in the problems that we're solving? And that's the part that we're looking at now. It's not about just going out and creating another new product, another new website, because that's not what the marketplace is asking for. What the marketplace is saying when you talk to growers or you talk to agribusinesses, there are things that we need to solve today. And there's a lot of solutions out there. Which of these solutions makes sense to us? So that's how intent fits into the equation. Ah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So we could probably spend the entire program here answering this question, but just maybe pick out the highlights. Over your career in ag tech, you have seen it just explode. What have, have been the, the biggest, I guess, uh, benchmarks or highlight, or what surprised you about what ag tech when you started in the late 90s to today, 2016? The biggest surprise to me is I, I use the word runway. And what I mean by this is how long it takes to commercialize products and to get products into the marketplace and get commercial usage out of this. Because a lot of times we look and we'll compare ourselves to other products or other services, whether it's, you know, 
look at the advent of Facebook or Instagram or any tools like that. We have to understand and appreciate our ecosystem and know that my dad's going to sell calves once a year. You're going to put corn in the ground once a year. So the iterations and the time to development, when you look at a technology solution or any, anything in, in the industry, one, you get one time a year to do it, typically speaking. And, and number two, you're not going to put everything that you do into something new the first time around. Farmers are going to want to test. They're going to want to validate. They're going to see how well these things work. So I, I talk a lot about runway and really understanding that any idea you have or I have or, or the, the market is rolling out, it seems like it takes at least twice as long and costs at least four or five times as much. And I think those are probably conservative. But the industry, when you look at innovation, the, the life cycle, from my experience, has always been longer than, than I ever expected it to be. Interesting. Can, can you walk us through, and obviously every company is different, but walk us through that runway, what that looks like. So if somebody has an idea for a technology that, that could be useful in, in agriculture, let's say to be used by a farmer, what does that look like of taking it from an idea in your head to actually going in launching a product and, and a real business behind it? You know, I wish I could tell you that I knew the secret sauce or the formula. And I think even when I study podcasts and listen to companies that come out of Silicon Valley, every story is different. And, and you think about, you know, whether you're talking about, uh, is it just a, is it a commodity? Is it something that's online? Is it, is it something that's related to hardware? So I think every situation is different. And I think it also depends on where you are in the product cycle. So, you know, we've heard of a lot of ideas over time, but a lot of those products are just ideas. So you've got, is it one, two, three years of product iteration to get something into what I call, you know, an MVP, a minimally viable product. So you have to look at where you are in the product life cycle. Tim, what I think is unique about our space is the, the, the reliance and the dependency on the commodity markets. So even if you have a great idea, even if you have a great product, there's this lag that you have to, and, and understanding that you have to have the, how, how much the corn and soybean or, or livestock markets are impacting the acceptance. So you look at when corn was $7, when, when, when corn ran to $657, how quick innovation came along and how markets rat, or products ratcheted up alongside that. Hmm. Now we take corn down to cash price $3. The innovation is still ramped up because there's been funding and there's new products and there's new services that are still in the marketplace. But the end consumer, the grower now is stepping back saying, I, I can't physically imagine implementing one more new thing or taking on one additional cost based on the current commodity price today. That brings up actually another question I, I wanted to ask you today, Kevin, which is, you know, nobody likes to hear. Nobody, I don't ever want to be the guy who's, who's claiming the sky is falling by any means. But the amount of money that has poured into the ag tech sector in recent years might lead one to think that we might be nearing, you know, a top or, or perhaps even to go maybe in a hyperbole, a bubble. Do you see the amount of funding that has been pouring into ag tech kind of peaking and, and going down because of the commodity prices you just mentioned? I don't know that we've reached a peak yet. What I know is I go back and look historically at what has happened. And so the example that I lived through and maybe re may relate to where we are today is look at what happened during the dot-com days. So in the late 90s, when I was first starting my career, there were companies like Cybercrop, Rooster.com. These were very interesting companies that were looking at other spaces outside of ag that said, you know what? 
farmers might be interested in trading grain online. They might be able to put offers online or trade grain online. Those companies spun up. They raised quite a bit of capital. But over the first two or three years, those companies ceased to exist. Another company was called Emerge Interactive. Even though those companies didn't exist, there were other companies that came out of there that actually carried through on those ideas. So it seems to me like you have to have that initial round of funding to, to kind of boost the innovation engine, knowing that not all of those companies will exist in the long run. But the ideas of, of allowing, you know, whatever the idea is, if it's a truly a good idea, those those will come through. And I think that's probably where we are today. You know, when you look at growers and, and you have conversations about a lot of companies and innovations that have happened, there's very few growers that will say company A, B, or C, whether it's a startup or a platform, is a bad idea. What they're saying is, one, I may not have time to do 80 different things. And number two is I, I cannot justify the expense right now for that new product. So I would say that we're kind of in a phase where it's similar to what we saw in the dot-com days of 2000, 2001. Along those same lines, I know you, uh, probably more so than anyone I, I know in the industry, keep a close watch of what's going on in the tech world. And, and then also, of course, what's going on in the conventional ag world. You, you really have your feet in, in both on both sides of the line there. What do you see going on in, in tech right now that maybe hasn't caught on yet in ag? Good question. You know, I think about that. I'm probably one of the few ag people that has tried to build a smart home and i will tell you that it's it's, it's really hard and, and very time consuming but i think the reason i do it is that we're looking for ways and i'm looking for ways to say how can i take this to to an industry that that may not be experiencing it so i'd, I'd say the three things that that i'm noticing today outside of ag or, or maybe you're just starting to, to move into the ag sector would be voice and voice technology think about all the things that are happening in the home Bots are really interesting, and, and as you look at what, what is coming through in, in the Valley and new products that are launching, a lot of it has to do around bot technology, and that kind of relates over to some AI technology and, and things that we see in, in that space. So those would be the three that I would point to at first. Okay, so the word bots just sounds cool. Tell me, tell me more about bots. What, what might be a practical application in the ag space for bot? I assume that's kind of just like a robot, right? Maybe define that for us, and then how might that be used in ag? Yeah, great question. So I think about when, when I use the word bots, you know, one of the tools that I use a lot today is, is Slack, which basically connects uh, email, instant messaging, document storage, kind of all in one, and kind of streamlines a lot of the communications. So if you think about a Slack tool, or, or even to put it in the mind, a lot of our uh, Farmers or ranchers are on Facebook. So imagine, you know, here's here's a here's a use case that I could could think about. Imagine if you went on Facebook, and you could send out a, a message to a bot. So Facebook grains <laughs> is the bot and says, "What's the current cash price today? What's the current basis level today?" And, and then imagine being able to to send this request to bots asking, you know, about weather and being able to send things back. To me, those are the things that you could start to think about. Other platforms uh, where people are going today, and then what they're able to do is ask a question. Instead of it going to a person, it's going to a, a model that, that's sending information back to them. So you see it a lot in customer service. You see it a lot in people uh, being able to, to instant chat. It's the step before you actually get to, to a customer. But I think that's a really far out business case, but something that uh, is interesting to talk about. So like Siri is a bot. 
Correct. Yes. Okay. So like a ag Siri. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even thinking about exactly. And that would be when you think about Siri, I, I use the, the other one that I discussed is voice. And so my family, you know, one of the things that we did is we put an Amazon echo. So it's called Alexa in our kitchen. And I try to do this intentionally. And, and the reason for this is you can implement all kinds of technology for the sake of implementing it. But I had a problem. And the problem was that in our kitchen, my wife and I did not want our kids to see us on the phone all the time. But we, when we add groceries or to-dos, that's all done online. So we would go to our phone and you would type that in. As soon as you went to your phone, then it was 30 minutes later before you came out of your phone. So we have in our kitchen this voice-activated Amazon Echo. So my wife and I can be in the kitchen. We can cook. We can be talking to the kids. And if we need to add milk, my wife says, Alexa, add milk to the shopping list, and it's automatically added. That doesn't take away from our family time. It allows us to use the technology intentionally, and it also it's a streamlined process, so it doesn't stop it. Think about that from a farmer's perspective. I mean, if you're out in the, the, the field or you're out in the cab or the combine or whatever, your hands are always – being able to be hands-free would be so advantageous to growers in a lot of the different situations. I still think this is way leading edge. But as I think about the future of ag over the next 10 to 15 years, those types of concepts to me are, are super intriguing because I've been able to make it work in my daily life. Yeah, I love that. A very direct application to the example you just mentioned is I used to sell feed ingredients to, to dairymen and they'd have commodity barns of these various – feed ingredients and it never failed. Whoever their feeder was would call Friday in the afternoon and say, oh, I don't have enough to get through the weekend. So if he just had, if he had a bot, maybe he would have, you know, been able to tell him a little bit sooner that he was going to need a load because it was always a scramble at the end of every single exactly. week. <laughs> that is cool. So would that also be AI or is AI something a little bit different? AI is artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. And I think just, you know, continually thinking about, so Instead of getting hung up on the terms, think about, you know, when you go to Google and you start to type in the first two or three letters, and then how quickly does the right term that you're searching for pop up? Or you go to Amazon.com and, and you're searching for X product, and, and then you end up buying one of the suggested products below. To me, you know, there's all kinds of privacy, and I understand the questions that people start to ask about those. But to me, those types of, of activities make my life better because it's actually giving me what I want in a faster way. So I, I think we continue to look at other markets and say, how can we bring that into our industry and, and make someone's life better? And, and, and again, you know, I'm using this as use cases that are five, 10 years down the road in the ag sector. But a lot of times we talk about the same things over and over again that we're doing today. And so I wanted to use this podcast to kind of go a little bit further out. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I, I, and I appreciate that because that's what this podcast is all about is, is people who get excited about the future of this industry, even if it is a little ways out. One concern you've probably heard a lot. And I know I heard as I was entering to the recruitment business, I heard several times, well, why would you go into the recruitment business? It's dying, right? Technology is going to take it over. We got LinkedIn, Indeed, and all these other platforms that are going to put you out of a job. How do you handle that argument that technology isn't always good because it puts people out of jobs? I think that the, the, the jobs will continue to evolve. But I'll, I'll tell you, Tim, it feels to me like we have had so much technology infused into all of our lives that my generation, you know, seems to be, and, and even the generations behind, 
are now moving to more of, of a relationship. And let me give you an example. So it, it's taken me a while to get going on Twitter over the last couple of years. So now I like Twitter because it's a broad audience that you can put something out there and anyone can see. Well, if you really look at what Snapchat is today, and, and we talk about technology, but Snapchat has become much more one-to-one. -one. And I, I was with a group of students at the AFA conference uh, two weeks ago, and I started asking them questions about why they use Snapchat. And I think that we're actually looking for more personal connection. I think that we overcompensated and, and technology went too broad. And now people are looking for more of this, this human connection. So even though we're going to keep utilizing technology, I see uh, over the next uh, you know three to five years where the human connection, the relationship will come back and, and be as important part of it. It's just going to be instead of someone going out with a piece of paper and taking a seed order, it's going to be someone going out that, that's using, uh, you know, whether it's an iPad or some kind of an other technology to, to put it in. But I, I, I think the people element is, is going to be there for, for a long time. It's just going to be what you do looks a little different. Makes perfect perfect sense. I mean, yeah, on Snapchat, it's it's gone from a broadcast mechanism to definitely a one-on-one -on -one connection. And this is certainly a, a great place for a shameless plug for the AgGrad Snapchat. We we do uh, takeovers at least three days a week with somebody with a job in agriculture where they take over our account and show you their job in agriculture. So if anybody listening is on Snapchat, our username is just AgGrad, A-G-G-R-A-D. Are you on Snapchat, Kevin? I, I am. And, and actually, I'm going to toss it back to you, Tim, because I'm trying to use it more and trying to understand, you know, how does that fit into uh, where I am today as someone that I, I use Twitter the most, then I use Facebook after that, then Instagram. Why, why the, the sudden surge in Snapchat? And, and how would you tell someone like me in the business place to use Snapchat? Yeah, I would say with Snapchat, there is there's beauty in the constraints of it. So the fact that Everything has to be native to the platform. You can't bring in outside pictures. You can't professionally do video and then upload it into Snapchat. I think that constraint uh, creates almost a fun little game of, wow, look how cool they used, you know, they were able to use the platform. For example, Hannah, who she has a show on our channel every Tuesday, just talking about uh, social media and different kind of job hack tips that you can use social media for. She, I noticed one time she did like an introduction that had like a flashing light and colors and music. And I went, how did you do that? And the way she did it is she would, she would film like, I, I guess some sort of flashing light, like a fan, a light uh, with a fan and then color over it. And so there's only a few like glimpses of it coming through, but it's just so cool the way that people can use a platform. But then it, the other thing is it gets back to exactly what you were saying, which is people want kind of a behind the scenes type of view. They want to see something real and something raw and not something overly produced. And, and that's kind of the beauty of Snapchat. If you really want to see the way we use it for business purpose is to give people a true authentic look at an agricultural job. So you're going to see everything from, you know, actually hooking up a dairy cow to the milking machine, running the dairy <laughs> cow through the parlor. I mean, things that are not glamorous that are not going to win an Emmy, but are real. And for us that that's extremely valuable. And I'll be honest, our, our use of Snapchat uh, and our successors become, it's very accidental. We, I wanted more video uh, and I couldn't afford it. And so it, rather than sending a video crew around the country to cover ag 
jobs. I just give an account name and password and they have it for the day and I get to upload those videos. Now they're not professionally done, but they're very interesting in their own right. So that's that's how we found value from it. But I, I it's not for everybody. I think though, if you're trying to target anyone under the age of 25 and you're not on there, you're kind of missing the boat a little bit though. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm going to take uh, take advice from you because I am now learning that new platform myself. So thank you. Oh yeah. It's yeah, you might you you might have fun with it. I'm like you with Twitter. In fact, there was a time I was going to delete my personal Twitter account because I'm like, ah, oh, we have an ad grad one. But the truth is, when I finally realized that Twitter is not for broadcasting or pushing content, it's for engaging and communicating. You know, I realized, oh, well, actually, my ad grad Twitter account has less value than my personal one. Uh, and so now, you know, most of the the podcast guests I get now, I had the benefit of meeting you in person, but most of the podcast guests I I get, I, I just reach out for the first time over Twitter. In fact, my next one, I just lined up today via Twitter. So once you learn that Twitter is really just for, for one-on-one communication that can be viewed and, and shared by everybody, it becomes a lot more valuable, I think, or it did for me at least. Just to tag on to that, I, I don't know about you, but the epiphany that I had with social media is I used to always think, okay, you need to, it's like marketing, you know, old school marketing, you develop a timeline and I'm going to tweet this at eight o'clock and this on Tuesday and this on Friday. And you can do that a little bit, but the true value is it's not what you tweet or what you say. It's how well you listen, listen to the right people and then engage. So I think there's so many people concerned about what they're saying that those of us that are actually listening are the ones that are having success with it. That's a great point. Yeah, my that was one of my biggest beasts with Twitter is like it's a bunch of people talking and nobody listening. And then when I found out, no, people are listening if you engage in the conversation with them and not just broadcast to them. There actually are people listening and interacting. And, and that's where I really started to see the value. So I agree with that. Uh, either on social media or off, what, what tips could you share with the young professionals in agriculture that listen to the show about networking and building your network in this industry? Well, I, I first and foremost, Young people today have such an advantage over where we started 20 years ago. I mean, I remember back in the day, you had to get someone's thing. What was that thing called? A business card. <laughs> and then you go back and you'd type it into Outlook and then you'd write some notes down and say, okay, Tim's favorite color is this. I mean, I look at the evolution now with, with LinkedIn and, and all of the different platforms that are out there. there. There is a big advantage. But I would say first and foremost, for me over the last 20 years, it's just been consistency. So when you look at, you know, 20 years of focusing on one network, which is, you know, kind of this ag and technology space, the, the other thing that I would say is be a connector. So many times, I, I'll, I'll use myself as an example, early on in my career, it was all about me. I wanted to go meet someone and say, how can so-and-so help me? And it probably took me longer than, than most people, but I started to realize that when I cared about other people and started saying, how can I help and, and what are other people's needs? That's when it came back tenfold. So I, I love that idea of being a connector and trying to think about, you know, your network as a way to connect A plus B equals C. And, and basically you're looking for those. I think there's a ton of organizations that, you know, you, you continue to evolve. But being intentional with relationships and saying, okay, when I meet someone through 4-H FFA growing up, moves into AFA, then it moves into trade organizations develop those. And let me tell you a story, Tim. I think this is, I met you at AFA uh, two weeks ago mm-hmm. and AFA celebrated our 20th year this year. When I showed up there, I started seeing friends of mine that were now major executives in different companies. And I started to look around after 20 years saying, 
we have been coming back here. And I remember early on, we would sit around at the conference and we'd say, okay, we're going to develop this network. After 20 years, it made sense to me. I start to see friends and colleagues that have gone on and done amazing things, and it's taken 20 years to build that. So I think, you know, just that, that, that being consistent and being persistent. And then the last thing that I would say about your network is this, this is super tactical, but I tell people, be intentional about your CRM. You know, obviously you can use LinkedIn, but have a process in which you manage names and contacts. And it's not just your Facebook friends and your LinkedIn friends. It's, it's having a personal CRM. The one that I use is full contact and I have a whole process in which I do so. But I think if you have a personal CRM and that's how you treat your network and it allows you to stay connected with those people, when you need to solve problems or connect people in different ways, go back to your system. And, and uh, for me, that's made all the difference in the world. Great. And, and CRM being customer or client relationship management tool? Yeah. And, and we use that in business, right? I mean, you use that in business all the time. But about four or five years ago, my wife and I said, this is crazy. You know, we have you know, some contacts in Gmail and some on Facebook. And we said, we do this in business. Why don't we have our own system to manage our, our, our contacts and our, our friends and family and, and, and associates? And once we did that and we developed an, an internal system, it made our lives much better and, and easier because there was no longer a question like, well, what was so-and-so's email or who was that person again? You built a system. So I always tell people, build a system once and then stick to it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I love the tactical advice. I always get so much from these interviews and especially the tactical stuff. It's like, okay, well, I don't have to be smart like Kevin, but if I just go try this, I think it'll pay off, right? And so I I definitely love the tactical advice. You already shared some of these with us, but any more ideas that you think are maybe on the horizon for the ag industry and we aren't talking about very much yet because they're a little bit far off? You know... I'll give you something that's a little different. So I, I, I subscribe to a website and, and there's an, a daily email. It's called Product Hunt. And I would encourage, if you're an ag and you have any interest in being innovative, look at Product Hunt. And these are new products and ideas that spin up every day. And what I do is as I think about, oh, that's really interesting. That's really far out. That's probably you know, 2042 in the ag industry. But the more that you can submerge yourself into things that are coming out of Silicon Valley or things that are coming out of other places, we don't necessarily need to go implement that today, but it, ch- it can change our thinking. And a lot of times, a lot of these solutions exist. So we're going to have to go recreate the wheel. So I, I, that's just one that I would encourage people to, to look at and, and something that for me that has provided a lot of value in terms of really understanding what's coming next from an innovation standpoint. Great. Yeah, I'm not on Product Hunt yet, so I'll have to do that. Full Contact and Product Hunt, I'll I'll mention both of those in the show notes. If you want a link, you could click on and go visit the websites for both of those tools. Kevin, about your your new consulting business intent, who is your primary kind of target customer that you're serving with that? And and what types of services are you giving them? Just out of my own curiosity, and then also you never know, there might be people listening that, that could use the type of services you're offering. Yeah. So intent, basically it's consulting services, looking at the future of agriculture with a, a focus in data and technology. You know, as we've, as, as I've evolved over the last 20 years, looking at, at products and, and how things have evolved, the idea right now is the marketplace. When I go talk to farmers, when I go talk to businesses, I don't hear, go build this new product. 
what I hear is there are a lot of things in the market today, and I don't know which ones to use, and, and I really don't know where to start, and, and I don't have time to, to pick one. So our, our current, you know, when I think about the current customer for, for intent, it's going to be focused in the agribusiness uh, space. So we're, we're, it, it's a B2B marketing and consulting offering. And the services that we provide could range anywhere from think about a, a strategy, product innovation, data science solutions, or even customer experience and, and product management. So product or project management, just based on experiences that we've had. And then also looking at products in the marketplace and how can we connect these products? Now, what's different about this is as, as we're looking towards the future and, and looking at, at technology innovation, the end customer, the end goal has to be thinking about that, that, that grower, that, the, the farmer, the rancher. And so I always tell a story. Every year when, when I was growing up, we took our calves to Lahaina Livestock. That's where we sold our calves as we were growing up. And it always seemed like as a young kid that the Christmas present that I got was kind of determined on what happened on that one day when we hauled those calves to the sale barn and they ran across the scales. And I never really understood why some Christmas presents were bigger than others. And even two weeks ago when dad called me, you know, calves were down this year compared to last year and even the year before. And, and I think that those are things that we're still trying to understand and still trying to help the industry solve. So that's what drives me is, is trying to say that the person that's selling cattle, the person that is uh, growing corn, they're... We can solve the problems, but we need to be realistic in our approach. So it's not going to be the farmer that's paying for them today, but those experiences 35 years ago are what's shaping, what shaping what I plan to build with intent today. Fantastic. Well, uh, one of my favorite parts of the webinar you did for the Kansas State University Master of Ag Business is you talked about your three favorite questions. Are you learning and growing? Are you having fun? And are you leaving the team better than you found it? I, I think that's a great way to close out this podcast. And I thank you so much for being here, Kevin. Anything more to add before we before we close? No, I, I would just say, one, thank you for having me. But I think your message of podcasts and how this technology, I'm seeing it in so many other spaces. And so when I first saw you announced that you were doing a podcast, I would just encourage everyone listening to think about how we could infuse this type of technology even more into our space. Think about how information is passed along today. And, you know, farmers get in their truck and they're waiting for the next commodity price. Well, what if they also jumped in their truck and they were listening to four or five podcasts on technology kind of on demand? So I would encourage you, Tim, to keep going with this and all of us as an industry and, and innovators to continue to think about how we can use this type of tool to make the industry better. Uh, great point. I couldn't agree more. Kevin Heikus of Intent, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for tuning in all the way to the end of my interview with Kevin Heikus of Intent. I sure hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. The three questions I mentioned there at the end are good ones for anyone to think about in your career. Those questions are, are you learning and growing? Are you having fun? And are you leaving the team better than when you found it? I think if you can answer those questions all with yes, you are in a very, very good spot. If it's, an, if it's a no, maybe it's an opportunity for you to reevaluate your role in the team, your perspective, or your place in your career. I'm happy to talk to you about that if it's uh, something I can help from a recruiting 
perspective or just to discuss opportunities that exist in agriculture because I do believe we are broad enough of an industry that you can find a good place for you here where you will be able to answer all three of those questions with a yes. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at AgGrad. I hope you are getting a chance to spend it with family and want to let you know that I'm thankful for you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit aggrad.com, that's A-G-G-R-A-D.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.